Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, everyone. I'm Lori Bischoff. Welcome to the We're Talking Shift podcast. This is the space where we talk shift because I really believe that the antidote to feeling stuck is shifting. And that begins with shifting our thinking. And actually, sometimes if we're really stuck, we may have to follow that up by going rogue and making a really significant move in our lives. So today, I'm going to be talking about ways that we can shift um, to create some effective changes in our lives, especially being that it's New Year's. And I'll be, uh, I'll be exploring that with my very special guest, Buck Grant. Now, Buck is a lifelong martial artist. He's a personal development coach and also a nomadic entrepreneur. He's a published author. His book is called Over the Top Rope, Life Lessons from the Ring. It's an autobiographical account of his fight career and the life lessons that he has learned. Buck also founded the Muay Thai University, which is a leadership and coach development program through the art of Muay Thai kickboxing. Well, hello and happy new year, Buck. How the heck are you? I'm doing good. It's been a long time. We just uh, haven't seen you in years. Then since San Diego, was that San Diego last time we saw each other? Yeah, I mean, really, it's the only time that we've ever seen each other <laughs> face to face. Um, yeah, Buck and I, we were trying to figure this out. I think five or six years ago, we we yeah. were at uh, a boot camp, right, for life coaches in San Diego. Yeah, we're the strategic intervention uh, boot camp, and um, yeah, that was a really cool event. I got a ch- got a chance to meet some people that I probably wouldn't have met in any other walk of life, just because mostly I'm surrounded by martial artists. But yeah, that was a great that was a great opportunity. And then yeah, I, I feel like we've been we've known each other for a longer time because with the wonderful magic of social media, we get to keep up with each other from a distance, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I'm a, you probably don't know this um, because, you know, like we just said, um, we haven't really had any long face to face uh, dialogue or conversation since we had a brief meeting in San Diego way back. But I'm really, I'm really a huge fan uh, because I'm a big fan of anybody that excels in their chosen field or genre. And then they use that. I think really hard earned level of excellence to help others. I really, I really am. So you, I think are one of those people, which, uh, which I think is awesome. So consider me a fan. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. I really do. I'll tell you what, like when, um, you were, you were writing your book or your book had already come out or just come out when I met you. And mm-hmm. I was in a little bit of a stalling phase when I finished my, uh, when I was writing my book right around when I met you. And I think just seeing someone else succeed and getting one out and, and, and getting their word out was really, really influential for me finishing that last part because that last part of that book was, I don't know. I mean, you, you, how long did it take you to write your book? Oh, let's see. Thinking back, I probably, um, I would say about, about a year. Well, 
I take that back. It actually was longer because it came out in, in bits and pieces and chunks over the course, really, I think over a couple of years now that, now that you're making me think about it really a couple <laughs> of years. Yes. Yeah. I, I tell you, like there were points in that book where I felt like, you know, like in the beginning, I thought I could, I could write this thing in a couple of months. And I think a lot of <laughs> people who write books think, Oh, I can knock this thing out. I got all these great ideas in my head. And it took me two years total. And that last year was, was slow. There's points where I really wanted to walk away from it. If you were honest mm-hmm. with you, um, it's got really challenging. It got challenging finishing it. I kept on thinking, Oh, nobody's going to want to read it. This doesn't sound the way I want it to sound. And then, you know, I, I just needed to see someone else actually getting to the end of it. I'm like, you know what, if, 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 if my good friend here or this person who's successful can do it, then, then I can do it. So I, I got to thank you for like being an inspiration for that. Never got a chance oh, to tell you. Cool. That makes me feel great. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's true though. Isn't it amazing? Um, it's why I love, you know, what you and I both do, you know, we're, we're passionate about, um, helping others. That's the main thing, obviously that we have in common and we do it in some ways that are similar and some ways that are different. Um, I'm not teaching anybody Muay Thai moves, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are, we are coaching and, and we are, um, helping people to, you know, enhance their lives in the, in the ways that are important to them, um, through the things that we both do. Um, and I love that. And I like, I like that we, I think, I think what you just said is important to note that I know it is for me when I see somebody else that's doing something, um, like you just mentioned, it really, it really inspires me in it. I feel like mm, it, when you see other people demonstrating, doing something that is of interest to you, it does make you feel like, Ooh, I've got, I've got some inspiration. I've, I've got a, um, some, you know, permission in a way to keep going. Oh yeah, for sure. I, it's something that I've, I've had to rediscover. You know, I, I think like a lot of things that we learn are, are just rediscoveries of things that we already at some level knew just as you get more experienced or older, um, you, you get a better understanding of it. But like the, the people you surround yourself with are, are just so important for like, not only like your success, but your overall happiness. I mean, I've been around people who were really high driven people, like people wanted to fight or people wanted to drive businesses or want to improve themselves. And I noticed there was a distinct difference in my performance and my well-being when I was around them versus when I was around people who were less inclined to move forward. Right. And like, we always, we all have our times where, you know, we're not as, we're not as motivated as we'd like to. Right. But I, I find it, I find that when I'm around people who are really, really pushing it, it makes me want to step up. And, you know, people who, who, you know, love me, even if I'm not pushing forward, right? Like people who are really supportive if I'm having down moments. I, I find that the, the tribe that we're with is probably one of the most valuable things um, that, that I'm, I'm paying attention to now. It's made mm-hmm. a huge difference on like the quality of my life. For sure. Absolutely. I, I, couldn't agree more with you that that tribe, whether it's a tribe of two or three or, you know, a tribe of a dozen, what, whatever it is, it really, um, it really matters because, you know, everybody's got their, their kind of attitude about, 
about life and and their um their own energy and it's very easy to be caught in the current of the energy of other people and that's you know energy is kind of contagious it's a current so when you're with uh more than one other person especially you know they have an influence on you if you're not really mindful of that and if it's uh if it's not an influence, an energetic influence that is positive and, you know, helping to carry you toward things that are important to you, it can really be sabotaging. And sometimes you're just not even aware of it. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten little, <laughs> a little more harsh in my approach to it. Um, like I, straight up, if I'm not if you're not doing anything to help me move forward, I, I can't be around you for long periods of time. And that sounds really, really harsh. And maybe that's a little bit of a martial arts influence, but like, I, I just don't have time to be around people who are holding me back. And, right. and I can love people from afar. I can love, I've got family members that, you know, most of my family members are really supportive, but I've got friends that I love them from afar unconditionally, but like, I can't be around people because time is too short. Like, like the life is too short. There's only right. so much time in the day to move forward. And like, if, if I feel that you are holding me back in any way, because you don't want to move forward, I just can't do it. I can't be around it. it and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, if they were a little bit more honest with themselves and a lot more judicious with their time, they would find that if they started letting some people go, they started firing some of their friends, they would make a lot more space for people that would actually make them a lot more happy. And that sounds harsh, but I'm, I'm willing to say that. I spent 43 years on this life messing it up <laughs> in order to figure <laughs> it out. So, so. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that's a really good thing to share with people because um, I, I feel the same way. I feel like I look at time as a currency and... I don't want to waste it. it. Just like wasting money. I don't want to, I don't want to be throwing money out the window of my car as I drive down the road either. It's, it's a waste of an important and valuable resource. So important that like you said, you want to be really judicious with, with how you spend it. Mm -hmm. Very true. I, Very true. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really important thing for people to, to, um, become very conscious of how, you know, who they're spending their time with in their life. And is that helping to, um, make you feel, you know, whatever, whatever that, um, definition of happiness is for you, whether it's, you know, you're really ambitious and you're moving toward goals and you want that, you want that support from people, or, you know, you're just, uh, you just want to be around people that are joyful and, and in, in positive in some state or manner, they're positive. And it's just all energy that is making everyone feel good in the presence of each other, as opposed to, you know, not so good. Yeah. And I, you know, even recently, like I, 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 um, I just got engaged. So that, that Congratulations. Like on me. thank you very much. I, um, I met a, I met a lady, Sandra here in August and she's been a life sent to me. And one, one thing that I, that was really interesting with her, I, <laughs> I had this talk with her a couple of days ago about my, 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 my partners in the past. And I had a very, low expectation of my partners, my, my romantic partners. And I, my low expectation was that, you know, I am very self-driven, very, very self-motivated. And I don't need much from my partner. That was my, my old narrative. I don't need much from my partner. I just need my old partner 
my partner to not get in my way. And that was a story that I said for forever. And I thought that that was good enough. And what I started to realize was I was living into this story of people coming into my life that didn't want to add value. And the idea that they didn't take away from me was, was kind of a misnomer because the, by definition, if somebody comes into a relationship and they don't want to offer, they're going to want to take. And that's all they're going to want to do. And they're going to get conditioned to that. And part of that's my fault. I've conditioned people that all I do is give and all I need you to do is not take away from me. And there's no such thing as that. You're either growing or you're dying in a relationship. I met her and it was interesting because there were times where she would push me in a positive way towards, you know, better finances, better um, health practices, getting up four o'clock in the morning to go work out with her. So work for which I hate doing it another way. I hate getting up in the morning, but I'm learning too. Um, and I had to fight the urge to be upset with her for pushing me because I wasn't used to someone positively pushing me. I was used to a partner doing that. I was used to a partner not doing it. And when she was positively pushing me, there's a little part of my uh, old self that kept on resisting it. Cause I'm like, ah, that, I just don't need that. I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't relate to it, but I, I started to find that like, if I just let that happen, I actually have a person that's really helping me move forward in a way that I've never had before. And it was almost uncomfortable for me. And I've, I've had to kind of learn, you know, in a very short period of time, how to allow someone to be what I need them to be in my life. It's just been really mm -hmm. a fascinating growth experience for me. Yeah, that's really interesting because I would think that, you know, as a coach and as a trainer, training trainers, you know, pushing people in, in various ways is something that you have been accustomed to doing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have, I just wasn't used to having it in a personal relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, yeah. I'm used to having it for coaches and someone who was outside of my household, but I wasn't used to having someone near me. That, that close to me that we even that we, that even cared to pull out the best in me. Um, I was once again so used to being self-sufficient, doing it myself, and uh, it was it was nice. It's, it it has been very very nice, um, wow. and it's helped me. Yeah, and it's helped me go into a, a a lot of different areas of my business that um, that I was a little bit afraid to go to until I had the proper support around me. What a gift she is. Yeah, she is. She's, she's a she's a hard pushing lady. She's a hard pushing lady, and I need that. Like I, I, I have very ambitious goals in, in 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 my career. I I'm a I'm a nomadic martial artist. So I'm a martial artist who does not teach in gyms, for example. Right. So most martial artists like either own a gym or work in a gym, and I don't. I'm not a part of any gym. Um, I'm, I'm completely nomadic. I'm completely wherever my work takes me is where I go. And well, that is, that yeah, that's certain, really interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you're talking about that. Cause I wanted to ask you about that. You know, what exactly do you mean by nomadic entrepreneur and, and <laughs> nomadic martial artist? So that, that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. And it's something that like always called towards me. You know, I, there was a conventional way of being as a martial artist where you, you just accepted that this is the way you're going. If you're going to do this as a career, there's a certain way you're going to do this. You're going to own a gym or you're going to work for somebody else. Um, you could be a, a professional fighter. And I did a professional fighting thing for a short period of time. Um, and you can make money that way. But 
if you were really going to have a career, you had to have a brick and mortar gym. And I, a long time ago, realized that once I could get on an airplane and, and decide that, that the world was a really small place and I could go anywhere I wanted to with a very, in a very short period of time, I, I never wanted that type of lifestyle to end. But I was told that, well, if you really want to do this for a living, you're going to have to build a gym. And I, and I owned two gyms in the past. And, and I really enjoyed that aspect, that career of my life. But I was always called back to being on the road, back to being going to different places and training different people how to be better leaders. That was always a call for me. And I had to like literally get a, like deny the idea of having a job for another gym in order to completely commit to this nomadic life. I had to literally burn the boats, as they say, um, huh. in, in order to do this. And it's been, you know, there, it, it's had its trials and tribulations, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be committing to this life when yes. having any other way. Wow. I think it's really cool that you, that you are, you know, cause that takes a lot of courage to go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to buck the status quo <laughs> and uh, uh, no pun intended. I love that. <laughs> I love that saying. <laughs> and it, yeah. And, and it sounds like, um, and this is like perfect because I always, you know, consider, um, the stories that my guests tell me about how they went rogue in some way. Those are really valuable stories. And that's really one of the things that you just said you had to do, but going rogue was you, you had to go against, um, you know, to do what you wanted to do, follow your calling, you had to do it different than it's always been done. And that you were told was the only way to success. Mm, yeah, it was. And, and we're talking about going rogue and a going rogue um, community, right? Like mm -hmm. to be a martial artist as a career path was not the most popular decision when I was growing up. I mean, my dad was a longshoreman and my cousins and my brothers, they all worked on the docks, unloading ships, making really, really good money. And it was a union job. So mm -hmm. if you were, if your last name was Grant, like mine, you basically were promised a job as long as you decided to go do it. Um, I made really good grades in school. So I was one of the few kids in the, in the household that had the opportunity to go to college. But the only opportunities really were to either go to college, um, be a longshore, or go in the military. And I contemplated college. I went to college for a little bit, and I was not a great student. <laughs> just didn't enjoy someone telling me to sit down and listen to something that didn't apply to me. Um, yeah, here you I go. I love, right? I mean, I love the idea of the military. I, I have a lot of clients who are military, and I love, love them unconditionally. But I just didn't want anyone to tell me where, where I should go and when I should wake up and how I should do it. So that didn't work out. And I saw martial arts and that was the thing that really called to me. And my dad didn't like that. And a lot of people around me are like, that's a great hobby. But you can't make a career. Fast forward 10 years, I opened up a gym, owned a couple of uh, gyms, had a big fight team, really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. But then the next stage of it was for me to say, I don't want a brick and mortar gym. I want to be able to travel and teach teachers. And that just wasn't something people did. And now, now I'm doing it. So and trust me, it does not come without his trials and tribulations, right? But what doesn't? And what right. doesn't? What isn't hard, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of um, 
I feel like there was a uh, there was a Facebook live that I saw that you did recently. Um, oh, what was it about uh, the challenge? And it's uh, it's uh, it's hard. Um, what was it? It was uh, getting out of your comfort zone, and you know, um, do you re- yeah. yeah, yeah, but. Stuff. <laughs> right. Doing the hard stuff. I mean, that's true. Yeah. If you want to, when you, when you want to break out, sometimes you got to go rogue and, and going rogue a lot of times means doing the hard stuff that other people aren't willing to do, but that's sometimes what it takes to really make, make that big shift in your life that is necessary for you to, you know, become the next version of yourself. Mm. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, you as a coach, you probably played around with, you know, we played around with archetypes when we were in our coach training, right? You know, you have mm-hmm. a lot of different archetypical characters in, inside of us. And then there's that archetype of the character that we want to become. And I started playing around with the idea of that in my head. Like, what would the new me do that the current or old me wouldn't do? And that could be anything. I mean, that could be something huge, like, all right, I'm going to get up early in the morning and go work out when I normally don't. Right. Or Mm -hmm. I'm going to, it could be something as small as like, I'm going to drive to work a little bit differently today. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to walk up the flights of stairs instead of getting on the elevator. It's like, what is one thing I can do today that the new me would do, but the old me wouldn't. And I think that like just doing something hard on a daily basis just allows you to access and get in touch with that typical you. That's the hard thing. It builds like a certain level of confidence to let you know that I can change. And yeah. I always tell people like start with something small and something hard, but attainable. Like what is it like, you know, even if it's just setting your alarm clock 15 minutes earlier than you normally get up, that's something that the old you didn't do. And that old part of you starts to die. And that new part of you has room to like grow into it's just building a new habit and, and living into that new archetypical self that's being you know, created in that moment. And that's what's really helped me. Like, I hate mornings. I, mm-hmm. I get my girlfriend loves mornings. I, we, we're getting up before the sun is up, Lori. That makes no sense to me. Wow. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. <laughs> I agree. We're taking notes. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm like, it's 630. If the sun is 6 o'clock. I 30 sometimes like the sun is not out, but she's a morning person and she needs to get up and do that before she goes to work. And when that alarm goes off and I look outside and it's still dark, my body just doesn't want to get up, but I see her get up and I go, the old me wouldn't get out of this bed right now. And so the new me puts my feet on the floor, even if it's just putting my feet, my feet on the floor and sitting up. That's something that the old part of me did not do. I'm setting a new habit. I'm building a new, new archetype. Yeah. And, and yeah, maybe working out has the direct a- a- exercise of like lifting weights or doing cardio in the morning may not have a direct impact on like, how do I build my business, but it builds a new habit and the new habit is where the new me gets from. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that thing is something that's attainable to all people. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I see what you're saying because when you build those new habits, something that you can do now, even if it's just like you said, getting up 15 minutes earlier, cause now it's dark and it seems very counterintuitive to get up in the dark. I hear you. Um, <laughs> but, but being able to, um, master that, that's a skill then that you can take. Well, if I mastered that, 
I can master the next thing and the next thing. And that does spill over into the other aspects of your life, like your business. So I think it's, it's a great exercise to, um, to take seriously because it does, it spills over into all the other areas of your life. And I, I think this is a great time to, to talk about, cause this really leads into people's, it's that time of year, people's new year's resolutions, right? I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of January and I was looking at some statistics and let me tell you what I found. 27. Now, I, you know, I don't know how accurate these are, but I kind of took some general stats from a few different places and got an average. So about 27% of people typically abandon their new year's resolutions within a week. Mm. And then, yeah, by week two, which is where we're at now, about 31%, a little over 31% of people have totally ditched their resolutions. And then by about the second week of February, we're up to about 80% of people that have abandoned all of their resolutions. So, you know, I find that to be fascinating because it's this ritual that, you know, as we near the end of the last couple of days in December and we're, we're heading into the new year, that's, you know, that's all you read about and all you hear about are New Year's resolutions. And then every mm-hmm. year within, you know, the first five or six weeks of the year, 80% of those people have either abandoned them um, or, you know, or just failed miserably at what they wanted um, or resolved, I should say, to do. So I don't, you know, what do you think, you know, why are people failing when every year they really feel like they want to do something? And, and then what, what do you think we can talk about a few points to help people be successful this year before they've completely abandoned their resolutions? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's, you think with like the idea of, uh, I've been contemplating this since we, since, since you know, the new year. And mm-hmm. you think with like social media that we would have better success ratio with that because, you know, everybody's posting and you have quote unquote social support from the, the web and whatnot of people, you know, liking your posts and getting, getting that nice little dopamine drop every time someone likes the fact that you got up and, you, you know, did your cardio in the morning or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. the, the statistics don't really support it, right? Like their social media is not helping people do that. And I think, I think the bottom line is just, number one, we have an arbitrary start point, right? Jan- like for whatever reason, January 1 is a, a good start point for people. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why not, why not December 5th? Why mm-hmm. not middle of November? You know, why not, why not February? What, like, why, why is it that January is, is, is that date? But I think, I think more important is just we're not really conditioned to 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 celebrate the small victories. You know, like we want the yeah. big victory. We want to like learn, we want to lose thirty pounds yesterday, <laughs> and you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like there's no sub- there's no celebration of what we talked about a second ago. Of like I literally got up fifteen minutes before. I normally do today. And that was a win for me. And mm-hmm. guess what? Nobody saw it other than maybe my wife and my dog, right? Like and nobody yeah. else saw it. 
I can't post that because it doesn't make a real cool picture on my Instagram that I just got out of bed. <laughs> you know, right. like, there's nothing cool about that. But it's like that those those moments where you know I posted on 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 my uh, Facebook page not so long ago about grinding in silence, right? Yes. Like in the fight world, champions are built in the a.m. and late at night when nobody is watching. You know, when when you're doing your road work and there's no one out and you're in the middle of the gym when the place is empty and there's nobody rooting on or supporting you. There's no cool picture to take. It's like, those are the moments when you're really being built, not those highlight moments that you see on your, on your, on your newsfeed. Those are social media as a whole. is just a highlight reel of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like the 1% of the 1% of what's really going on. Like where you're really doing your success is when nobody's looking at you. That's, that's the definition of integrity is that I got up and I did that thing, even though nobody saw me do it. And I think if people could give themselves a little bit more credit and pay more attention to that rather than the thing that's going to make them look popular, I think they would have more, more success. I don't know. What is it? What is your state take on that? Yeah. Well, I, I love everything you said. I think it's absolutely true. It, and especially when you, because in t- when you relate that to the definition of integrity, that's a big thing with me is integrity. Uh, it, it seems like in so many ways, it's such a, um, a dying characteristic, um, mm. that I find it, you know, I'm really a, I'm really big on integrity and I try to, it's one of my top values in life. And, Mm. and I like the way that you, that you relate that to, you know, what are you doing when nobody else is watching you? And, you know, if you're giving the full attention to yourself and the things that you want to achieve for you, then you are less concerned about trying to solicit attention from the outside world to give you props. You know what I mean? If that's what you need to keep going, um, that then, then you're kind of dependent upon that for fuel. And so it's not as self-sustaining because what happens when that's not really there, um, and wouldn't you be more likely to have the kind of success that you're looking for, um, you know, as pertains to your, your, your goals and visions of what you want, um, in your life, if it's really internally motivated. And like you said, that means you're doing what you need to do, uh, you know, in the, in the wee hours of the morning when it's dark or late at night or, you know, in, in the, in the quiet of your empty house during the day when nobody's around, whenever it is, I, I think that's really important to note. Uh, and I, I loved that Facebook live that you did. I noted that because it's so important, um, to have that level of commitment to yourself, uh, without the need for making sure that everybody else knows what you're up to. Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of, I was really well put and just to kind of reiterate what you're saying about wanting someone else's like, um, validation. Um, yeah. And we were talking about Jordan Peterson before and his, his yes. for life. And one of them that we didn't talk about earlier was that he said to treat, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for taking care of. Yes. Right. Treat yourself like someone you're responsible for taking care of, which means that 
you know, the person that matters the most is looking at you is you, you know, like if, it doesn't matter, you know, if the person in, you know, Bulgaria looking at your social media feed mm-hmm. likes your post, like the person that matters is that person that's looking at you. Like you're looking at yourself and going, I'm very proud of that person that just got up and did that thing. And yeah. I'm also very empathetic of the person who didn't get up this morning, but is going to get up tomorrow because he always has the next day. Like if I'm the person that I'm most responsible for, and I'm the one that I'm most responsible for impressing, then it doesn't matter so much what the other people do. And I treat myself like someone that I am responsible for taking care of. I mean, people will, will take care of their dogs better than they'll take care of themselves. Yeah. Which I get it because yeah. I love my dog. My dog is, you know, she's amazing. But. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's absolutely true. And I and I was real I felt kind of really good when I read that in his in his book, um, too, because I actually made those similar references in my own book when I wrote Common Sense Happiness. And the oh, nice. the last principle talks about treating your life like it's treating your life like you're dating it. You know, which essentially Ooh. is, yeah, how 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 are like you that. showing are you showing up for yourself is in the same way that you would be showing up for somebody that you really wanted to impress, like on a first date. You know what I mean? Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a similar thing. How are you being responsible enough to show up at your best just for you? Uh, so it's very similar to what what Jordan Peterson was writing. And I also use that reference, the same one about how people treat their cars and their pets better than they treat themselves. And it, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Yeah, I love the dating reference. And made, made me think of something, because I had a go old friend of mine um, tell me this, and it stuck with me like for like 10 years. It's been 10 years now. And she always said, like, you know, when you date someone, you initially, they don't really meet you, they meet, they meet your representative, right? Like, they, they meet your <laughs> best foot forward. <laughs> you know, like that, that, that person's all cleaned up and you're opening doors and all that. And it's like, right. ideally, that's the person you want to have throughout the entire relationship, right? But like, right. I, think, I think to illustrate the, the problem with um, people and New Year's resolutions is that they almost treat it like, like Americans date people. Like, there's the honeymoon phase where it seems really fun and fast and everything is like exciting. I'm getting up and I'm putting on my clothes and I'm working out and I'm in the first few days and everything's cool. And then, you know, I'm sore and I'm tired right. and I'm hungry and I'm like, Oh, this isn't romantic anymore. And like, eh, I'm going to yeah. go back to doing what I did before. And right. no wonder no, so many relationships don't work. Right. Yeah, like, the, the, the bloom <laughs> is off the rose at the end of week one. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not exciting anymore. But then it's like, okay, well, in a long term relationship, you know, what what is exciting? What are the things that you look forward to? What is the, you know, do you look forward to the stability of it? Do you look forward to the, the fact that you can commit to something long term and, and that that says more about you than you just having a quick and fast two weeks, you know, I think this is having a different relationship with it. I love that, 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 what you said about that. That's, I'm going to remember that. 
You help me with other things. <laughs> yeah. No, trust me. I'm taking notes too. I'm setting my alarm 15 minutes earlier tomorrow. So you, you've, you've already coached, given me some good coaching tips too. <laughs> but, awesome. But, uh, awesome. There that goes. <laughs> it's rough. Exactly. Let me tell you. But, but you, it, it start, so you start to build a little bit of a, like, you start to look forward to it after a while. At least yeah. I have so far. So. Totally. Totally. So, um, I just, uh, I, I really, I want to be able to maybe see if we can come up with just a couple of other things, maybe two other things to, to let our listeners know about their new year's resolutions. And, you know, I love the, the, I love what you said about, I mean, we've given them a couple things really already, just, it doesn't have to be a big thing, you know, small shifts. For example, getting up 15 minutes earlier, I think that's, you know, small shifts is a really, really good point because really you're trying to establish, maybe break old habits, habits and establish new habits. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, being willing to do something that you can sustain, it's not such a massive leap that you can only sustain it for a week or a couple weeks. Whereas if you take things in smaller steps and incorporate them into your lifestyle, then it mm-hmm. is much easier to sustain it long-term and literally start to, um, kind of shed the old skin and create, you know, this new shiny skin, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's really, really good. And then integrity, um, you know, the, the grind in the silence, I think that's a really good point. What are you doing when, when nobody's watching and when nobody sees what you're doing, Mm -hmm. can you do it just for, just for you without, without, if, if none of that other stuff is available without the accolades from, you know, a million people on social media. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if how you feel, what are your thoughts on, um, how you frame it? You know, I don't personally, again, um, for me, I don't believe in new year's resolutions because I think a lot of times it's like you said that we have this date of January 1st and I guess, you know, it's just kind of that new beginning vibe that everybody has at the beginning of a new year. It's kind of like a Monday for me, you know, it's like, Ooh, a new book, a new opportunity, (laughs) you know? And, uh, I like that. But, um, but if you're really committed, if you really have a serious goal, a serious vision about something that you really want to create in your life, um, you're, you're not interested in waiting for a date. You're, you're going, I'm, I'm going, I'm going in, I'm going deep and I'm going now, (laughs) you know, whatever day it happens to be. And so, and maybe it's more about the difference in, in how people frame it as, um, people are saying resolutions, but is that to people more like wishes, uh, and, and they kind of start out and it's a wish if you don't really have, um, you know, a, a clear, if you're not super committed and so passionate about it and you have a plan and maybe, you know, maybe, a um, some measure of accountability in place to, to help you. What are, what is the push pull sort of strategy that you're putting in place to make sure that you have success with that vision that you want. And I think if, you know, and you tell me what you think about this, um, if you don't, if you don't have some of those other pieces, then your, your resolution kind of moves from that serious goal category into, into more of a wish. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's been a couple of things that really, really helped me. And, and we, it'll kind of re-loop back to what we said earlier about um, your community, the people you're surrounded by, right? Like, I, I think yeah. before you before you can put a goal, a goal in place, or as you're putting a goal in place, you also have to, like, tend to your environment, you know? Like, yeah. wh- who am I around? Who do I need to get rid of? And what environment do I need to be a part of to help me? I don't like relying on um, discipline only or motivation. True. Like, motivation is the... I listen to motivational stuff all the time. I get up on, I'll, I'll put on YouTube and I'll pull up the next, I'll look up motivational speeches and put up an hour while I'm doing cardio. And it really helps me in the moment. But motivational is like this moment thing. It's like right now, right? Mm-hmm. Motivation doesn't get me up two weeks from now. Motivation doesn't get me up um, when I'm sore, when I'm tired, when I'm hurt. Like that's a feel good thing I'm waiting for before I do it. And when you're training or you're building a business or building a relationship, there's a lot of times it just aren't going to feel good that you still need to get the work done. And I like, I think that being in a proper environment where you're surrounded by people who are moving in the direction that you're going is very influential. Like the, the idea of a tribe of people that like, like, let's face it, I, there's certain people I don't want to lay down, right? If I have a coach or have three yes. or four people We've decided in the next 12 weeks, we're going to take our business to 10x or whatever. And every week, I've got to answer to those people. Like, they're going to ask me, like, what did you do last week? Did you get up? Did you call five people today? Did you do your cardio? Whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. And it's like that positive pressure of people around you is instrumental. And then looking at the people that are really, like, the people who are going to encourage you to stay in bed, for example. Right. Those are the people that you got to fire. You got to get them out of your life. <laughs> you right. Like I, well, I love, I love them. Like I said, I love them from a distance, but you're not going to keep me from getting where I need to get. It's too easy to like, if we're sitting around and, and I know this is with my diet, like, and I never realized that diet would be such an important thing until like cross over the 40 year boundary. And I realized that, Oh, I need to eat well in order to make decent now. Where I used to, I didn't have to think about that before, you know? Um, yeah. And when I had partners who would just eat Twinkies and Ho-Hos or whatever, I'd come home after working out and if they're eating Twinkies and Ho-Hos, I could, I could resist it for one day. But then after the <laughs> second day, I'm like, ah, sure, I'll have one with you. Why not? You know? And <laughs> right. One won't you know, hurt me. Yeah. One but one every day for 365 days as well. And when I started being around people who, ate well all the time and made it easier for me to make the decision. I didn't have to like go on my own self-discipline. It was like a communal discipline that had to, to occur. I think that's one of the most important ones, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think, I, I think, yes, you have to have your, your environments is gotta be set up for success to help, help you setting, setting yourself up so that you don't have unnecessarily unnecessary challenges in your path. Like yes, people and their habits that are completely counter to what you're trying to achieve. It's, um, you know, it's not that it can't be done, but wow, it sure can make it more, a lot more challenging for people. Um, I feel like the other thing that is important when you're coming up with your, you know, whatever your goals are and and if they happen to be on New Year's or not, whatever your resolutions are, I think that um, really understanding your deepest, 
your deepest layer of why do you want what you want? Why do you want to achieve this particular goal or vision of yourself? What is the most important reason for you that you want this in the first place? Uh, you know, so that way, because like you said, you know, willpower and discipline and motivation will only get you so far. But if you don't, if you don't have a, the deepest, really compelling reason that it's so important for you to get this, then it's, it's hard to stand strong when your willpower is tested, you know, um, mm-hmm. what, what will you lose if you don't get this? What are you sacrificing? What's the cost to you if you don't achieve this? I think if people take the time to really think through that you know, all of the layers of why you want what you want so that you've got something, something other than the external things helping to push you and keep you on track. I I feel like that's a really important point for people when they're trying to achieve a new vision of some sort. Yeah. I, I, um, of course, I'm assuming you've, you've seen Simon Sinek's, um, start with why or read his book or, seen the TED Talks of it? Have you seen that before? I have not. Oh, hmm. that sounds like I need to change my life. Oh, it changed my life. I was uh, going through a slump several years ago where I, you know, I almost walked away from martial arts altogether. I had um, had a bad run through with business and I was going through a divorce and I, I had a bad taste in my mouth about martial arts. I couldn't figure out like, what was the point of me even doing it anymore? And a friend of mine named Kibo Robinson, he's a martial artist in Vegas, sent me this video by a guy named Simon Sinek. And it was a TED Talk, and it was called Start With Why. And it talked about, basically, if your why doesn't make you cry, you need to dig deeper. Oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, it was, I watched it three times in a row and then took notes when I saw it. And it, and it pointed out people in, in, in history, like Martin Luther King, whatever, right? Like, Martin Luther King said, I had a dream. He didn't say he had a plan. He had a dream. Mm-hmm. And he had people around him who had a plan. But yeah. he knew at his deepest depths of his soul what was most important for him, like for people of all kinds to be happy and free. And anytime things got tough, he could always go back on that and go, I can imagine a world where this is possible. And that is why I get up in the morning and do the hard things and encourage other people to do the hard things. And and when I saw that, it it re-energized me to get back into martial arts because I had forgotten why I did it. And I remember that martial arts was the thing that made me for once in my life feel strong and capable of taking care of myself and making myself into something that I wasn't. And I wanted to help other people achieve that. That was the thing that I had forgotten. And when I'd forgotten it, I had forgotten it. I wanted to walk away from it. But when I remembered it, I was like, I can never walk away from it now, no matter how hard it gets. I can always stay with this because I know why I do it. I know what my why is. Uh, that yeah. video changed my life. And yeah. Yeah. I would Great. definitely highly recommend it. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. It sounds like I need to, because that's exactly, well, that's what I was just thinking about, talking about, um, you know, and I talked to my, my clients, uh, my coaching clients about that, you know, because everybody's um, trying to, you know, get to the next place for themselves. What is that next version of themselves or what is the next accomplishment? What's the next achievement? What is it? And 
that's what we like to start with. Well, why is that important to you? And and you do have to do some digging because usually the first couple answers aren't really the most compelling, deepest reasons. You do have to go through like about seven layers to get there. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Start with why. It. So good. That's that. Yeah. And like, even what you said about digging, digging deeper, you know, like, and which is something you do with, personal development coaching or life coaching, it's like, if you really want to know how to do something hard and you want to become something else, you got to go past that first layer of why you're doing it. Like working out and saying like, Oh, I want to lose 50 pounds. They go, why? Oh, I want to have a six pack. Well, why? Well, well, it's going to make me look better. Well, why? Well, because I'm going to feel better about myself. I want to feel better about myself. Then I'm going to be able to accomplish more things. And I'm going to be able to maybe fight that, um, that negative aspect of myself that has always creeped in my head. But now I realize I can, I can combat that because I changed my body. Like if I dig deep enough, I can find that thing. But the thing on the surface is never going to keep you there. It just, it's just right. not enough. Right. Exactly. It, it, it's too oh. easy to abandon the thing on the surface. Yeah. The ice yeah. Delicious. And <laughs> yeah. The ice yeah. cream is delicious. And the six pack is nuts. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> There's a lot of delicious things out there. <laughs> a lot of delicious things. All the delicious things that make my goals so much more difficult to, to obtain. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, oh my gosh. So that, I mean, there's so many other things that I want to talk to you about that we're going to, we're going to have to do this again because I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, I, I have another question that I want to ask you. I think we've done some great things, giving, um, listeners some really good points to help them with their, with their goals and or resolutions at whatever time of year they decide to implement them. Um, but before I ask you my last question, um, I want to give you an opportunity to um, tell people where um, where they can find you. I mean, you're a, you're a coach and you're a trainer and you've got, you know, your book out. Um, so let us know uh, where where everybody can find you and your services and everything, all the good stuff you have to offer. Sure thing. So you can all go to buckgrant.com and you can see where all my my coaching courses are coming. I also do personal development coaching. Um, you can get my book from there. And a lot of my retreats and workshops are all listed in that. Place. And you go to Instagram, Buck Grant. You can find me there. And if you go to Buck Grant's Muay Thai University on Facebook, you can find me there as well. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Um, okay. So my last question for you is... Um, what would you say and share with people about the value? What is the value of going rogue in your life? If you have to, you know, going rogue by your own standards, because those standards are going to be different for, for everybody. So by your own standards, what do you think you would like to share with people about the value of going rogue? Well, I think, at its core, going rogue is, is in essence doing something that hasn't been done or isn't widely accepted or to, to put in even in deeper terms, something that is outside of your current reach, but something you strive to become. And 
in order for you to become something more than you are right now or more a better version of yourself, it is necessary for you to step out of the confines of what you know as normal and become more of yourself. I think that, you know, because we're tribal creatures, we're very soft bellied, frail creatures that rely on tribalism, we rely on each other in order to be safe. I think the tribe aspect has a double-edged sword in the fact that we are conditioned to go along the status quo in order to think that we're going to be safe. But we yeah. no longer live, most of us don't live in a world where if we break away from the tribe, we're actually going to die. Right. As a matter of fact, in this current world, we are the safest we've ever been, most of us are the safest we've ever been. Yes. We have the luxury to actually break away from the tribe go rogue and do something that's never been done and possibly bring that back to the people that we love, the tribe that we care about and make them stronger. There's Hawaiian cultures, for example, old Hawaiian cultures that used to, um, and maybe to this day still do, would celebrate the fact that every person is unique and different that comes into this world. And that our job is not to make a baby or a new person conform to the tribe it is our job as a tribe to find out what is your special and unique gift to help you cultivate it, to help you find it, and then help you bring it back to the tribe to make the tribe stronger. And I think oh. that if we had more of that idea, yes. then going rogue would be something that the entire tribe did, not just one person. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Thank I you. have not heard that Worship. before. That is hugely valuable. I love that. Perfect. Perfect. Well said. I wish I made it up. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I made it up, but I can report what I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was awesome, Buck. Awesome. So listen, this has been really, really fun. I am so glad that you were able to take some time to, to hang out with me today. And I think we shared a lot of great stuff for everyone. Um, this has been awesome. And I, I hope you'll consider coming back at some point. We have a lot more we could talk about and, uh, Mm, and I really, yeah, I, I wish you well and may this new year bring you nothing but the best in all areas of your life. Thank you so much, Buck. I appreciate it, Lori. Thank you for having me and thank you for everyone for listening in. This has really been an honor and glad to get an opportunity to share my own personal version of the truth and, to catch up with a person that I really admire. I appreciate it, Lori. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Take care. Okay, so if you liked what you heard today, please make sure that you are subscribed to Apple Podcasts, and I'd love it if you give me a rating. You can also find me on SoundCloud. And if you are interested in private coaching um, to help make some shift happen in your life, just connect with me on Facebook or through my website, lauribischoff.com. We will talk to you next week. So, hey, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. You too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.